Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. Words have impact. The way you say words have impact. We have to be careful how we use words. Yet, words can't be seen. They can be heard, but they can't be seen. Faith can't be seen. It can't be heard, but it has impact. Faith has tremendous impact on who you are and how you live your life. Faith has sometimes been described as that which believes in the unseen, that which believes beyond the scope of our senses. Now, Our senses are sight, smell, touch, all the things that interact with the world and the elemental forces around us. But I'm sure you've all heard of ESP, extrasensory perception, and that's the ability to have senses that perceive beyond the elemental. So, some people can perceive your mood just by being with you. Some people can perceive your intentions just by being with you. Some people can perceive Things that don't seem to be perceivable by other people. So, if somebody has faith in the qualities of God and in the existence of God, and that person perceives those qualities and understands the impact and the effect of those qualities and viscerally feels those qualities and is able to convey them, that doesn't mean that somebody who doesn't feel them and who doesn't perceive them has an accurate picture of reality. But it doesn't stop them from expounding their picture of reality. And it doesn't stop them from imposing their vision or picture of reality on you. Everybody is locked in to the extent of their perception. And everybody believes that the extent of their perception is as far as perception goes. Now, one of the things 
that is involved in becoming a believer is that you give up this notion that your perception is as far as perception goes. And you enter into a belief system that there's more to know than you know. And that, through certain actions, practices, and perseverance, you can come to know more than you know. One of the first things that has to happen in order to be able to step into this way of understanding things is we have to give up arrogance. Arrogance is a word. Um, It has a meaning. It can be defined. But arrogance is a state of mind. Arrogance is an attitude. Arrogance is a way of being. And it's a way of being that separates people and puts the people with arrogance on a different level than everybody they know. Now, if if everybody you know has arrogance, then you're in a room where you're probably not going to be able to say much because everybody's screaming about their opinions and they need to have them known because, for God's sakes, it's the truth. Can't you understand it's the truth? How do we pull, a, pull away from that kind of being? How do we pull away from that kind of activity and from that kind of attitude? How is it that one can become humble in this world? And what are the gifts of being humble? Quite simply, arrogance is a stop. Whenever you're arrogant, you're at the end of the road. Everything's known. Everything is as far as it can go. Humility is the opposite. Humility is always at the beginning. Whatever you know, there's more to be known. Whoever you are, there's more to become. If you can understand the difference between these two ways of being and the difference between walking through the world with these two different attitudes, you will become elevated from where you are. And if you can stay humble, you will be continue, you will continue to be elevated. Because Islam means submission, surrender. You can't submit or surrender and be arrogant. So if you want to move forward on the path, if you want to move forward in the understanding of truth, 
humility has to be a major component of your being. And if you can't put this into your being as a component of who you are, the biggest enemy to your advancement is your arrogance, yourself. You stop yourself from moving forward. Now, arrogance has a vibration. And those people who can sense the vibratory nature of people can sense arrogance. And arrogance bristles. And it doesn't take much to be sensitive enough to feel that bristle. You know when you're in front of somebody who's arrogant. You know it by the way they breathe. You know it by the way they speak. You know it by the words that come out of them and by the actions that come out of them. So what do you need to do? You need to find people who aren't like that and make them your friends. Because to live a life of interaction with arrogance is constant conflict. And if you want to remove conflict, you have to remove arrogance. Sufis are known not to force their ideas and ways on people. They make them available, but they don't force them. It's in force that conflicts arise and difficulty arises. The Quran says that there is no compulsion in religion. And that basically means two things, although it means more than that. It means you can't push somebody into religion. But it also means you shouldn't push somebody into religion. You can't force people into religion because then you have false conversions. You have false religion. We can do arranged marriages, and many societies do, but we can't force love. We can't do arranged love. Love is something that happens from the inside and comes out. And in our relationship with religion, in our relationship with God, there has to be love. There has to be a melting. There has to be a lack of conflict. And if that lack of conflict doesn't go away, then what happens is we spend all our times with the conflict and not with the religion. When doubt enters into people, what is it they deal with all the time? They deal with doubt. And doubt is a block in the same way that arrogance is a block. It stops you from moving forward. So somehow, we have to remove doubt from ourselves. Now, what I, in my youth, was able to do, was I was able to suspend my own belief system when I came to the sheikh. I was able to stop referring to what I thought I had learned. I was able to stop accepting 
all of my past experiences as if there was truth to them and as if I needed to carry on in the same way. One of the things that happened to the prophet as he came to new people is they would say, we have the ways of our fathers and that is sufficient for us. Well, what is the ways of our fathers? The ways of our fathers is the belief system that we've established up to this point. And what is very hard to do? It's very hard to give up your belief systems. Why? Because you've lived with them for so long, and you've worked with them for so long, and they've gotten you to today. They've gotten you to the way you are now. And if you find yourself content, if you find yourself happy, if you find yourself satisfied, it's going to be very difficult to give them up. Now, what is it that can bring you to a point of discontent with your old belief system? Well, for some people, it's the fact that they have no success in the world. They're unable to get anything done. Um, everything they do seems to fall apart on them. People think that that's a curse. For some people, it's a blessing. Why is it a blessing? Because they give up, they surrender, and they realize that it's not in their hands. It's in Allah's hands. And the fact that they've been pushing and pulling and struggling and not going with the way things go is their own fault, not God's fault. And it makes them easier to have, it makes it easier for them to have faith. It's been said that it's rare that an intellect can move forward on the path of faith. Why? Because an intellect has a very, very strong mind, has relied on his mind to take him to where he is, and in this world, a very, very strong mind can often take you to great successes within the temporal world, within the world of form. And if you confuse success in the world of form with true success, you are doomed to stay trapped in the world of form and trapped in looking for reward from the world of form because it's easy for you. For people who it's not so easy to find success in the world of form, they begin to look for success in the formless world. We have to somehow understand the difference between the success in the world of form and success in the formless world. And this is where things like praise and blame comes in. What does the world do? It praises and it blames. And it praises and it blames. And if the praise of the world brings you satisfaction, if the praise of the world 
is something that you seek, then you are not likely to turn <clears throat> to the non-elemental world. You're not likely to turn to Haq, to reality, to the world of Allah, to the world of the truth, <coughs> to the world where things like mercy and compassion and gratitude bring you satisfaction as opposed to wealth, fame, and glory within the other world. And until you get to the point where you have understood the wealth of Allah's world, you will constantly believe that the other world is the world that satisfies you. And somehow, this has to be broken. And the way it's broken in, in most places is that something extraordinarily impactful and devastating happens. The loss of a parent can shift you out of believing in the world. The loss of a child can shift you out of believing in the world. Something has to happen to people that brings them in focus with the reality of existence, which that it is temporal and it doesn't last and it can't be expected to continue to give. But as long as people are blinded by what they're getting from the world, they will continue to chase it. Why does a 74-year-old man run for president of the United States? Think about it. Why do people in their 80s, 90s, refuse to give up their control of the wealth that they've amassed over all the years and keep doing the same thing they've been doing all their life? Well, they don't know any better. And they don't know anything else. I tell this story a lot, but it's worth repeating because it has a lot had impact on me and it's easy to understand. When I was about uh, 27, 28, I was working in a law office and there was an, there was a, one of the partners was about 75. And he was a nice man, approachable, and you could talk to him. So when I had a question, I used to ask him. And uh, one time he took me into the library and went to a book, pulled out the book, went through the book, showed me where the answer was in a book. This is a library with 3,000 books in it. And I'm like looking at him like, ooh. And I said, that's pretty good. And he said, uh, well, I've spent my lifetime with these books. And it's all I know. Don't become like me. I can't think of anything else. My mind is stuck in this place. It doesn't go anywhere. 
when I go to holy places, I'm still in this library. When I'm with my grandchildren, I'm still in this library. When I try to pray, I'm still in this library. Don't become like me. It's good advice. And I certainly didn't become like him. (laughs) And I didn't pay uh, obeisance to the law when I was practicing it. I just paid attention to it. (laughs) Enough attention to get the job done. And that's what you have to do with your work. Pay attention to it and get it done. Don't make it your God. Don't make it the most important thing in the world. Don't pay obeisance to it. Obeisance is for Allah. And we need to turn in that direction. And that way, we can escape this. But if we make gods out of what we do and what we have in the world, if they become our most important things, for lack of a better word, we're not going anywhere. We're staying in the same place we are. The world is like a treadmill. No matter how fast you run, you're going to be in the same place. No matter how many miles you cover, you're going to be in the same place. We need to get off the treadmill and discover reality. We need to somehow change our being and find out about the glory of interaction with Allah. Found out about the glory of interaction with the resonance of reality. We have to learn how to do that. And how do you get into Carnegie Hall? Practice. How do you get closer to Allah? Practice. Make it something that is a priority. That Vava once said, when you come across a true Sufi, you can sense the resonance of all of his prayer and all of his zikr just by being in his presence. Do we resonate do we resonate Yarahman? Do we resonate Yarahim? Do we resonate Allah? Have we become a vessel for our Lord to act through? Well, if we haven't, I know that's what we want to do. So, practice. Practice being kind. Practice being loving. Practice being merciful. Practice being compassionate. And when when these other feelings come over us that are all defined by certain words like anger and hastiness and temper. Be able to watch and see that they're there and say, this is not who I am. Something else has taken over me and I will have no part of it. A'ud bilahi minashaytani rajim. Bismillah irahman irahim. It should be a constant refrain in our life because Satan is constantly at us. 
and constantly attacking us and constantly trying to bring us towards him. And we are weak and need the help of Allah. So we need to make this asking for help from Allah a regular part of our being. We need to make this submission to Allah a regular part of our daily activity. We need to incorporate it into the essence of who we are. And as it becomes more and more incorporated, we become more and more real. And as we become more and more real, we begin to understand more and more who we truly are. And once we understand who we truly are, we will know our Lord. We will know his mercy. We will know his compassion. We will know his kindness. We will know his love. So we have to make it a purpose in our life to walk love around. Take it with us wherever we go. Produce it as we go through our day. And when I say produce it, I mean allow Allah's love to come through you. And it will. It will. You'll find that as you love, the channels for love open more and more. And you will be able to love more. And as you find that you love more, you will find that you create an atmosphere of love around you. And the gift You're allowed to abide in that atmosphere of love. Imagine you are allowed to abide in an atmosphere of love. And that only happens when you allow the love to come through you regularly and constantly. And it grows and it grows and it grows and you grow and you grow and you grow in love and you become more and more godlike and that's the path to insan kamal true humanity true humanity is a loving humanity true humanity is a godly humanity and that's who we are meant to be May it be so for each of us. Amin, amin, ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa